Janayanam namas kritya naram chevan rotamam devim saraswatim vyasam tato jayam udirayat Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 24, Chapter Entitled, Chanting the Song, Sung by Lord Shiva, Text Number 42. Namasta, sorry, Namasta Ashisham Isha, Namasta Ashisham Isha, Manave Karanatmane, Namo Dhammaya Brihate Krishnaya Kuntametase Purushaya Puranaya Sankhya Yogeshwarayacha Namasta Ashisham Isha Manave Karanatmane Namo Dhammaya Brihate Krishnaya Kuntametase Purushaya Puranaya Sankhya Yogeshwaraya Cha Namma, offering obeisances, te unto you, Ashisam Isha, O topmost of the stories of benediction, Manave, unto the Supreme Mind or Supreme Manu, Karana Atmane, the supreme cause of all causes. Namaha, offering obeisances. Dhammaya, unto one who knows the best of all religion. Brihate, the greatest. Krishnaya, unto Krishna. Akuntametase, unto one whose brain activity is never checked. Pura, purushaya, purushaya, supreme person. Puranaya, the oldest of the old. Sankhya Yoga Ishvaraya. Master of the principles of Sankhya Yoga. Cha and okay. translation of Purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Prabhupada. My dear Lord, you are the topmost of all bestowers of all benediction, the oldest and sub- can someone please turn this down a bit? It just reverberates. Does anyone know how to actually operate this? Yeah, can you do it, please? 
My dear Lord, you are the topmost of all bestowers of all benediction, the oldest and supreme enjoyer amongst all enjoyers. You are the master of all the world's metaphysical philosophy, for you are the supreme cause of all causes, Lord Krishna. You are the greatest of all religious principles, the supreme mind, and you have a brain which is never checked by any condition. Therefore, I repeatedly offer my obeisances unto you. Translation responsibly. My dear Lord, you are the topmost of all bestowers of all benediction, the oldest and supreme enjoyer amongst all enjoyers. You are the master of the world's metaphysical philosophy. For you are the supreme cause of all causes. Lord Krishna. You are the greatest of all religious principles. The supreme mind and you have a brain. Which is never checked by any condition. Therefore, I repeatedly offer my obeisances unto you. Purport. The words Krishnaya, Akunta, Medhase are significant in this verse. Modern scientists have stopped their brainwork by discovering the theory of uncertainty. But factually, for a living being, there cannot be any brain activity which is not checked by time and space limitations. A living entity is called Ahun an atomic particle of the Supreme Soul, and therefore his brain is also atomic. It cannot accommodate unlimited knowledge. This does not mean, however, that the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, has a limited brain. What Krishna says and does is not limited by time and space. In the Bhagavad Gita 7.26, the Lord says, Vedhaham samatitani vatamanani charjuna bhavishani Chabutani, Mam Tuveda, Nakaschana. O Arjuna, as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, I know everything that has happened in the past, all that is happening in the present, and all things that are yet to come. I also know all living entities, but me, no one knows. Krishna knows everything, but one cannot know Krishna without being favored by him. Thus, for Krishna and his representative, there is no question of the theory of uncertainty. What Krishna says is all perfect and certain and is applicable to the past, present and future. Nor is there any uncertainty from one who knows exactly what Krishna says. The Krishna consciousness movement is based on Bhagavad Gita as it is, as spoken by Lord Krishna. And for those who are engaged in this movement, there is no question of uncertainty. Lord Krishna is also addressed herein as Ashisham Isha. The great saintly personalities, sages and demigods are able to offer benedictions to ordinary living entities. But they in turn are benedicted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Without being benedicted by Krishna, one cannot offer benediction to anyone else. The word Manave, meaning unto the Supreme Manu, is also significant. The Supreme Manu in Vedic literature is Swayambhuv Manu, who is an incarnation of Krishna. All the Manus are empowered incarnations of Krishna, Manvanta Avatar. There are 14 Manus in one day of Brahma, 420 in one month, 5,040 in one year, and 504,000 Manus in the lifetime of Brahma. 
Since all the Manus are directors of human society, ultimately Krishna is the supreme director of human society. In another sense, the word Manave indicates the perfection of all kinds of mantras. The mantra delivers the conditioned soul from his bondage. So simply by chanting the mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, one can gain deliverance from any condition. Karan Atmane, everything has a cause. The theory of chance is reputed in this verse because everything has its cause and there is no question of chance. Because so-called philosophers and scientists are, are unable to find the real cause, they foolishly say that everything happens by chance. In Brahma Samhita, Krishna is described as the cause of all causes. Therefore, he is addressed here as Karanatmani. His very personality is the original cause of everything, the root of everything, and the seed of everything. As described in the Vedanta Sutra 112, Jamad Yasya Yataha. The absolute truth is the supreme cause of all emanations. The word Sankhya, Yogesh, Varaya, is also significant herein. For Krishna is described in Bhagavad Gita as Yogeshwara, the master of all mystic powers. Without possessing inconceivable mystic powers, one cannot be accepted as God. In this age of Kali, those who have a little, fragmental portion of mystic power claim to be God. But such Sado gods can only be accepted as fools. For only Krishna is the supreme person who possesses all mystics, mystic and yogic perfections. The Sankhya Yoga system, popular at the present moment, it was propounded by the atheist Kapila. But the original Sankhya Yoga system was propounded by an incarnation of Krishna, also named Kapila, the son of Devahuti. Similarly, Dattatreya, another incarnation of Krishna, also explained the Sankhya Yoga system. Thus, Krishna is the origin of the Sankhya Yoga system and mystic yoga powers. Uh, the words Purushaya, Puranaya, are also worthy of special attention. In Brahma Samhita, Krishna is accepted as the Adi Purusha, the original person, or the original enjoyer. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna is also accepted as Purana Purusha, the oldest person, though he is the oldest of all personalities. He is also the youngest of all, as Navayovana. Another significant word is Dharmaya. Since Krishna is the original propounder of all kinds of religious principles, it is said, Dharmam tu shaksha bhagavat pranitam. No one can introduce a new type of religion, for religion is already there, having been established by Lord Krishna. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna informs us the original Dharma and asks us to give up all kinds of religious principles. The real Dharma is surrender unto Him. In the Mahabharata, it is also said, Yecha Veda Vido Vibra, Ye Chadyatma Vido Janaha, Te Vedanti Mahatmanam Krishnam Dharmam Sanatanam. The purport is that one who has studied the Vedas perfectly, who is a perfect Vipra or knower of the Vedas, who knows what spiritual life actually is, speaks about Krishna, the Supreme Person, as one Sanatan Dharma. Lord Shiva therefore teaches us the principles of Sanatana, 
Sanatana Dharma. Amagyan to Melandasya, Ginandasya, Shalakaya, Chakshurin Militamina, Tasmai, Sri Gurave, Namaha. Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam, Stapitam Yena Bhutale, Swayam Rupa Kadamayam, Kadati Swa Padantikam, Pancha Kaupatarubhyascha, Kripa Sindhu Bihavacha, Petitanam, Pavanebhyo, Vaishnavebhyo, Namo Namaha, Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nichananda, Sri Advaita Gadadha, Sri Vasadi Gaura Bhakta Brinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So, these are the sung, uh, songs which are sung by Lord Shiva. Uh, what are significant about Lord Shiva's songs? Lord Shiva is known as Mahadeva, which means uh, he is the greatest of all demigods. He's actually not a demigod. A demigod. Uh, he is called Shiva Tattva. Uh, Shiva Tattva uh, is much more powerful than any uh, devata, uh, any god. Uh, he's not Vishnu Tattva, at least in this world. So he's not considered to be as powerful as God himself, Vishnu. But uh, he is practically <coughs> as powerful, almost as powerful. So uh, he is one of the 12 Mahajanas. Who are the 12 Mahajanas? So we have Brahma, Shiva, Manu, Narada, Kapila, uh, Kumaras, Prahlad, Angelica, Bhishma, Yamaraj, Sugadev, and Bali. Very good. <laughs> one more, Bali. So these are the 12 Mahajanas. So he is, uh, Lord Shiva is one of the 12. So therefore, uh, he is said to be one of the 12 most uh, significant authorities within the universe. So here he is speaking. So when he speaks, uh, we have to understand. He understands the truth. Uh, far more deeply than any ordinary person. So he's speaking about Krishna's supreme position. Uh, what is Krishna's supreme position? Um, so he breaks it down into many categories. It's deep philosophy, so we can understand Krishna's position. Why do we need to understand Krishna's position? Uh, it's because Prabhupada says, by, in the introduction to the Bhagavatam, by the end of the uh, nine cantos, when you study canto one to nine, by the time you get to the 10th uh, canto, you should be a God-realized soul. So you should realize God. Um, and if you realize God, then you'll understand Krishna in the 10th canto. Otherwise, Krishna will remain a uh, mystery. You'll see him as a mundane person, or you'll not understand his supreme position. So we study the nine cantos very carefully, so that we can then understand Krishna's uh, supreme position. So we understand clearly who he is. So Lord Shiva gives these verses right, in order so that we will understand very carefully who Krishna is. The entire Bhagavatam is only spoken for this point, to understand who Krishna is and the process of understanding Krishna. 
What is the process to understand Krishna? It is pure devotional service. The Bhagavatam emphasizes and teaches pure devotional service. Because pure devotional service is the only way to understand Krishna properly. And then on top of pure devotional service uh, being understood properly. Thank you. Then uh, the object has to be very clear as well. Who is it that we are worshipping? Who are we centering our consciousness upon? All of us centre our consciousness somewhere. For many people it is their wife or their husband or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their children or their boss or their dog or their movie, some movie star or rock star or sports star. Everyone centers their consciousness. And then whoever you're aiming for, that's who you will attain. Uh, Krishna explains this in the Bhagavad Gita. If you're aiming for Krishna, if you're thinking of Krishna at the time of death, you'll go to Krishna. If you're thinking of the demigods, you go to the demigods. Uh, If you're meditating on ghosts and spirits, you'll go to that place. If you're meditating on uh, the forefathers, you'll go to that place. So where we focus our consciousness, this is the most important uh, facet of human life. Now, in the Bhagavatam, it clearly says we should focus the consciousness on Krishna. Ete chamsa kalapamsa, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. The whole Bhagavatam is spoken so that we focus our consciousness perfectly on Krishna. Right? And how do you focus your consciousness on Krishna? By pure devotional service. You have to dedicate all of your words, your thoughts, and your deeds to serving Krishna. Then you will attain Krishna. Right. At this point in time, we are mixed. We're practicing Karma Mishra Bhakti or Jnana Mishra Bhakti, which means our devotion to Krishna is not exclusive. Right? We like to meditate on many things. Bahu Shaka Yanandascha, Krishna says, within the Gita. Uh, but the Bhagavad Gita clearly says, Vyavasa Yatmika Bhudi Ekeha Kuru Nandana. Vyavasa Yatmika Bhudi means your intelligence needs to be one-pointed. Ekeha. Eka, just one-pointed. It has to become exclusive. In the Bible, uh, God says, I am a jealous God. Uh, what does that mean? Have no other gods before me. Yeah, he doesn't want competitors. He doesn't want you to place your consciousness on other uh, gods, lesser gods. He only wants, a jealous God means you focus on me. When someone's jealous... I say, you focus on me, don't focus on the other person. So Krishna is jealous. Focus on me. Why are you wasting your time in all these other personalities uh, who will not satisfy you? Focus on me. So Krishna is telling us, uh, with pure bhakti, pure devotion, focus on him. That's the whole message of the whole stream of Bhagavatam. Any questions or comments? Okay, we'll keep going. <laughs> That's the whole Bhagavatam. That's it. You've just studied the whole Bhagavatam. 18,000 verses. Right? Krishna is the goal. Pure devotional service is the process to attain it. That's it. There's nothing else. Right? That, that is the only message of the Bhagavatam. <coughs> now, if we want to go further, then there's 18,000 verses which give us details to convince us. Uh, Prabhupada, one time, 
Prabhupada was in Mayapur and he was with his disciples. And uh, Prabhupada, the leaders actually, it was the GBC members, the sannyasis, Prabhupada's like leading disciples. Prabhupada said, uh, put your hand up if you are convinced that Krishna is God. Right? Right? I'll ask that question now. Put your hand up if you are convinced that Krishna is God. Okay, nearly everyone. Nearly everyone. That's very good. That's very good. But no one put their hand up when Prabhupada asked. They said, tell us if you're convinced if Krishna is God. Right? It's a little different when Prabhupada asked it. Because when Prabhupada asks, it brings you to a different state of consciousness, a different level of experience. But Prabhupada was saying, are you convinced that Krishna is God? You have to be convinced. Uh, that's why the 18,000 verses are there to convince us. Because right? we have so many doubts in our consciousness. Oh, what about this? What about that? My faith needs to go to different places. Right? I want to experience this. I want to do this. If I worship that person, then maybe I will get this. If I put my energy there, maybe I will get this. So we have so many. So Bhagavatam is speaking all these verses just to say, Shrama Evihi Kevalam. Everything else is useless waste of time. So enjoy your life. <laughs> Go out and do whatever you want to do. It's all a useless waste of time. Because at the end it doesn't mean anything. Right? It is all mritti. What is mritti? Yeah, illusion. Yeah, but specifically mritti. What does it mean? Dust. Mitti. Isn't it? Mitti. 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 Okay, we'll start again. Mitti. You sure? Mitti. In Hindi. What about Sanskrit? Mitti. Okay, so we'll speak Hindi then. Mitti. What is Mitti? It's just dust. That's all it is. Everything, Everything in this world... Whatever you do, whatever you achieve, whatever you accomplish at the end, it's just dust. Congratulations. You work so hard for everything, at the end it's all just dust. In the Bible it says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Everything starts as dust, right? It becomes something and then it goes back to dust. That's your whole life. That's your house. That's your car. That's your children. That's your husband. That's your wife. That's everything. Your whole life is just dust. At the end, nothing to show. No. So that is the material world. So Bhagavatam is teaching us. Everything is shrama evihi kevalam. It is a useless waste of time. So then, uh, Prabhupada is breaking down the Sanskrit. Uh, uh, and in the, the first part, he says... Uh, the living entity is Anu. Anu means insignificant, small. We are all very small. How much can you understand about the absolute truth with your tiny brain? Very limited. That's why there are two ways to receive knowledge, ascending and descending. Ascending means if you try to work out the absolute truth with your tiny brain, you can't work it out. 
How will you get to the conclusion that God is a blue cowherd boy? How will you conclude that just with your, this little brain? Has anyone in the, in the uh, universe ever concluded that? Right? Albert Einstein, he was a great thinker. He was a God-fearing or God-loving man. Right? Very intelligent. But did, could he understand God was a blue cowherd boy? He understood there was something there, but how could he understand that? Because you are limited. How will you understand it? So therefore, that's why we have the process. Krishna speaks in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Evam parampara praptam imam raja shiyo vidu. There is the uh, parampara. That is how we understand knowledge. What is the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita called? Transcendental knowledge. How do you get transcendental knowledge? Guru Padashri. Guru Padashri, yeah. From the Guru. How do you get transcendental knowledge? What does Krishna say in the Bhagavad Gita? The fourth chapter. The fourth chapter is called transcendental knowledge. How do you get transcendental knowledge? Well, Krishna says in the beginning of the chapter, Evam Parampara Praptam. Imam Rajashi It comes down through Parampara. Disciplic succession. Who is Prabhupada? Right. Prabhupada is the most recent uh, member of the long line of the civic succession. Right. And then Prabhupada said, now my disciples, my followers, you will become the next gurus. Right. And it continues on. Prabhupada didn't say it stops at me. Some people say it stops at Prabhupada. Right. So they say, okay, it stops at Prabhupada. So why does it have to stop at Prabhupada? Why not stop at Bhakti Sarantasara's way to Why not stop at Lord Chaitanya? Why not stop at Madhvacharya? Why, not, why, why Prabhupada? Why does it have to stop at him? It kept going all the way till then. Why does it suddenly stop? No, that's not the system. Prabhupada said, My disciples will become gurus. And their disciples will become gurus. And then their disciples will become Gurus. This goes on for another 10,000 years. If you start initiating people, it goes on. So you may have to think, maybe you have to become a guru. And you say, well, I'm not qualified. Everyone says, I'm not qualified. I'm like, oh, so then what's going to happen? If we all say we're not qualified, then what's going to happen? Someone has to become the guru. Someone has to continue the whole thing. Uh, so that is the system. So then Krishna says, how to get transcendental knowledge? Knowledge. One of the most famous verses in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, number 4, chapter 4, verse 34. Tadvidi pranipatina, sevya, upidekshanti tikanam, gyaninas tatvadashina, 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 someone who has seen the truth. Uh, what's the qualification to be a guru? You have to see the truth. Do you understand? First verse of Bhagavatam says the difference between matter and spirit. That is guru. Right? If you understand the difference between matter and spirit, then you understand. Then you are guru. If you don't understand the difference between matter and spirit, you are not guru. You are not qualified. You don't have the adhika to be guru. Uh, so the guru uh, teaches us. Right? That is the system. So here it says we are anu. Anu means very small. Uh, but Anu needs to connect to Vipu. Vipu means 
unlimitedly great. How do you connect to Vipu? Through Parampara. Right? How do we serve Krishna? Through disciplic succession. You, you render service to your guru. Your guru offers it to Prabhupada. Prabhupada offers it to his guru. Everyone offers it back. Right? And then finally it gets to Lord Chaitanya. And then Lord Chaitanya in due course of time will manifest himself as Radha Krishna. Right? And then your service will be accepted. That is the system. So then, uh, it says, uh, Prabhupada uh, speaks about the theory of uncertainty. What is the theory of uncertainty? Yesterday, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. Yeah, in other words, you don't know. <laughs> Just say, I don't know. <laughs> theory of uncertainty. Just, you don't know. No. Just admit you don't know. You know, one time I was listening to the radio and uh, one scientist on the radio said, we have found the possible existence of invisible streams of energy which go from one end of the universe to the other end of the universe. So that doesn't even mean anything. We have found the possible, you just said possible, so you're already questioning, maybe it's there, maybe it's not there. Don't tell us. Don't get on the radio and tell us you found something. Tell us when you found it. Prove it to us and show us, and then we'll say, okay, no problem. Uh, but you haven't found it yet, so don't speak. Uh, this is the possible, this is called mental speculation. Uh, so if you don't know something, don't say it. Prabhupada, you know, they ask Prabhupada, just like on Prabhupada's Vyasa Puja, joke, uh, Gokul Ranimaji was telling us. One, one reporter said to Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada, do you know everything? What did Prabhupada say? Anyone remember? Yes. It was two days ago. Yes. Yeah, then what did Prabhupada say? Yes. Uh, reporter said, Prabhupada, do you know everything? Prabhupada said, yes. So then the reporter said, uh, Swamiji, if you know everything, how many windows are there in the Empire State Building? <laughs> Prabhupada said, how many drops of water are there in a mirage? It doesn't matter. Best answer. <laughs> huh? Because Prabhupada was saying, it doesn't matter. Does the guru know everything? Yes, the guru knows everything. He knows everything that needs to be known. You don't need to know how many drops of water there are. Sorry, how many uh, windows are in the Empire State Building. Uh, how does your life... How do you become more advanced spiritually by knowing that? You know how many there are? 3,132. Uh, has your life improved? Actually, I don't know how many there are, I'm just saying. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. That's why people argue about things all day long. Uh, did man go to the moon? Did he not go to the moon? They spend all day. Is the earth flat? Uh, have you got into this one? Is the earth flat? Uh, some people, they, all, that's all they talk about. Oh, the earth's flat, it's round. Does it matter when you go to bed at night? When you go to sleep, do you think, oh, you know, I'm going to sleep better because the earth is flat. 
you know, because it's like this. You know, if it's on a curve, then I'll kind of, you know, as I'm saying, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. What's our answer? Is the, is the earth flat or is it round? Because people quote the Vedas to say both. Yeah. So what is the answer? Hmm? Is it flat or round? Huh? Wrong. Doesn't Yeah, it doesn't matter, but I'm saying. What is it? We should know though. Yeah, it's round. It's a ball. Because what, what's out there in space? Balls. Right? right? What is the sun? Is the sun flat? Right? Is the moon flat? Right? Are all the stars flat? All the planets? Jupiter flat? No, but the Earth is. Right? None of the others are, but the Earth is flat. Now that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Everything else in the universe is round and the Earth's flat. Yeah, how did that happen? Oh, I, yeah, anyway. Yeah. And does it matter at the end of the day? People spend all their day on Facebook trying to convince us <laughs> the world is flat. Does it actually make a difference? No. Um, plus the Earth is round, just so you all know. Next time someone says it's flat, just say, chant Hare Krishna. Yeah, if these people were chanting Hare Krishna as much as they were on Facebook, they'd be pure devotees. And how much time they waste <laughs> trying to convince us about something which A is wrong and B doesn't matter. So, you know, congratulations, you did nothing with your life. Your life is just minty dust. Right, so, congratulations. Facebook is minty dust. All of it. Right. We only use these things for one reason. To spread Krishna consciousness. Otherwise they have no purpose. Mm. Facebook is very good. I mean, like, uh, not last night, the night before, my wife was watching her guru in Slovenia. You know where Slovenia is? It's on the other side of the planet. She's watching him live in Slovenia initiate disciples doing a jagya. Yeah, that's, that's the good thing about Facebook. Yeah, besides that, it's a waste of time. Yeah, the only good thing is you can watch something on the other side of the planet live and you can be associating with your guru. You know, she was in the, in the bedroom, I was in the, the lounge room and she started saying, Swaha, Swaha, Swaha. And I think, what, what's she doing? What is, what's this Swaha thing? You know, I walk out and what are you doing? She goes, I'm watching, my guru is initiating uh, devotee. You know, he's chanting mantras. So she started chanting the mantras with her guru. Other side of the planet. Right. I said, stop saying swaha. I said, start typing it in. Each time that he says it, you type it on Facebook. Swaha, swaha. I didn't really say that. <laughs> the point is that, that that's what these things are good for. Now, otherwise, they're useless. There's nothing significant about it. So, uh, then Prabhupada says, Everything has a cause. Right? What causes everything? Ultimately, it's Krishna. Right? Bhagavad Gita has four seed shlokas. What are the four seed shlokas? Which verses are they? Which, chap- which chapter are they in? Chapter 10. Very good. Called Chatur Shloki. Which verses are they? 8, 9, 10, and 11. It's called Chatur Shloki. It says from these four verses, the whole 700 verses expand. Right? So they're the most important verses in the Bhagavad Gita. 
Actually, it says that chapter 9 is the most important. Out of the 18 chapters, which chapter is the most important? Nine. Yeah, because I just told you. Nine is the most important. Huh? Kali Yuga means, I just said it, and you might forget it already. Uh, but number nine is the most important. And the four verses in chapter 10. They're the most important. So, what is that? Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita, yeah. So, Bhagavad Gita says those four verses, Chatur Shloki. In Bhagavatam, there are also uh, four verses. Uh, that is Canto 2, uh, chapter 9, uh, verses. Mm, 32, 2, 33, 34, 35, like that. They're considered the Chatur Shloki of the Srimad Bhagavatam. But the uh, Gita, there are those, those verses. Now, the first verse. Right? Because those four verses contain everything. Krishna says, Aham savasya prabhavo, vataha savam pravatate. Then, itima, itima, then, Buddha Bhava Samamrita. Krishna says, Aham savasya prabhavo, vataha savam pravatate. Krishna says, everything emanates from me. Who else can say that? None of us can say that. Everything emanates from me. Maybe you think like that. You take too much LSD or something then. Yeah, maybe you think like that. Yeah. Sometimes you get intoxicated, you go and sit next to the beach, and when the waves come in, you think, you know, I'm making the waves come in. Now they go out. Now they come in. Now they go out. That's not you. Now, in your mind, you think that. That's called delusion. Now, we all think we're doing something. We're not doing it. Right? But Krishna is doing it. Krishna has the potency. He can do everything. Ahamsavasya. Everything comes to me. That's a powerful statement. That's why it says a great person proves his greatness by actions, not by words. Anyone can say it. Ah, oh, I can do this, I can do that. Yeah, well, go and do it then. Yeah. That's what Prabhupada would say. People would criticize Prabhupada. Uh, but then Prabhupada would say, how many temples did you open? How many disciples did you make? How many books did you distribute? Yeah. People would say, oh, Prabhupada, you know, it's not, not such a significant guru. Prabhupada said, then what did you do? Yeah. You have to see. Uh, that's how we end up. So Krishna says... I created everything, but he actually did. So therefore, he is the greatest. So Lord Shiva is saying that he is the greatest. Krishna is greatest. Lord Shiva doesn't say that I am the greatest. He says Krishna is. Then, uh, in the final paragraph, uh, Prabhupada says, the words Purushaya, Puranaya, are also worthy of special attention. This is also mentioned in the... Brahma Samhita. In the Brahma Samhita it says, Puna, Puranam Purusham Navayovanam Cha. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, Puranam. What does Purana mean? Old. Ancient. Right? Puranam Purusham Navayovanam Cha. Uh, Krishna is the oldest person, but he is Nava. Yovana. Yovana means 
Youth. Nava Yovana. Yet Nava means fresh. Krishna is also like a fresh youth. He's the oldest person, but he always looks young. You never see pictures of Krishna where he looks old. If he looks old, then that's not Krishna. Sometimes they draw pictures in Europe of God, and he has big white beard, and you know he has like white robes, and he's very like old and angelic. That's not Krishna. Krishna is the oldest, but he is also always sixteen years old. I think he's fifteen years nine months, something like that. He's always young, but he's the oldest person. So it says here that the purport is that one who has studied the Vedas perfectly, who is a perfect Vipra, or knower of the Vedas, who knows what spiritual life actually is, speaks about Lord Krishna. As one Sanatana Dharma, Lord Shiva therefore teaches the principle of Sanatana Dharma. <coughs> so if you're going to sit here on the Vyasasana, right, or if you're going to, at any time, speak about Krishna, Right, give a class or give a seminar or something like that, then you are representing the absolute truth. Therefore, you must know the conclusions. Right? If you don't know the conclusions of the absolute truth, do not speak. No, you have to represent the oldest teachings. So therefore, you must know the conclusion yourself. You must live that conclusion yourself. No? Sanatana Goswami said to Haridas Thakur, what did he say? You're a perfect devotee. Why? Because uh, your acha and your pracha are the same. Acha means mm, your actions. Pracha means your words. They are the same. Uh, whatever, you, whatever you do and whatever you say are the same. If you say something but then you don't do it, do you have potency? No. No potency. If you do something, but then you say a different thing, same thing, you lose your potency. You have to have both. You have to say and do. Um, just like Mahatma Gandhi. You know Mahatma Gandhi? Yeah. He was in, in India. Uh, very famous. Everyone knows Gandhi. Right? So one girl, uh, she came to him with her child. She said, he is eating too many sweets. Uh, he cannot stop eating. You know the story? He cannot stop eating sweets. Right? Tell him uh, not to eat so many sweets. Gandhi said, bring him back next week. Uh, so next week they brought back. And then the boy came and Gandhi said, stop eating so many sweets. Now listen to your mother. You're not eating. His mother said, thank you. Why didn't you tell him that last week? Yeah, Gandhi said, because I was eating too many sweets. <laughs> so that's a good leader. Right? Because what does the leader do? He has to lead by example. That is called Acharya. You have to lead by example. Uh, just like Alexander the Great. You know Alexander the Great? He conquered everything from Macedonia, from Greece, all the way to India. Right? But then, you know, he conquered it and moved on, and then they took it back anyway. So it wasn't really a, just a mode of passion. He started when he was 16. He died when he was 32. He was just working all day. Just killing, smashing, <laughs> conquering. He's exhausted. 16 years, he's like 32. He's like, oh, that's it. Right. 
So, I mean, Shrama Evi it's all dust, dust. Well done, Alexander. Everything is dust. Anyway, he taught us a few things. One time he was in the desert and marching with the army. And they were very thirsty because there was nothing to drink. But it was very hot. And then someone found some water. And they brought a cup of water and they gave it to Alexander. No, because he is the leader. He is the king. And he looked at his army. He took the cup of water and he poured it into the sand. And he threw the cup. And he said, if you are not drinking, I am not drinking. That's leadership. Then you have the loyalty of the troops. Otherwise, they're not going to follow you. You sit there in front of everyone and say, ah, oh, yeah. oh, very nice. Thank you. No, no one will follow you. So the leader must have the words and the actions must be the same and then everyone will become inspired. So we'll stop here. We'll see if there's any questions or comments on what we discussed. Any other questions? If, if those verses you mentioned are the most important, why don't you concentrate on them and let the rest go? You could, you could do that. You could do that. But then, uh, in the Bhagavatam, the same thing is there. There's the four seed verses or the key verses. But then there's 18,000 verses on top. So, things become sweeter when they're elaborated. So the same with Bhagavad Gita. The four verses, you can just concentrate on them. But then as you read the others, it embellishes or allows us to understand more deeply. Uh, that's why we have classes every day. You know, we could just read the verse and the purport, but then if someone then speaks on it, then we get so many more realizations and understandings. So. The reason I say it is if when I first came here, Mm-hmm. I knew there were 18,000 verses, it would have been too much for me to mm-hmm. take on board. Mm-hmm. If I sit here now and when you say these are the most important, mm-hmm. I, I want to write that down and go to that. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me balanced. Therefore, sometimes if I came to class and I hear something where I'm having a bad day and it doesn't sink in, I go back to that mm-hmm. and I'm just on the journey. Mm-hmm. That's just what I, was, what, what I thought when I said it. Mm-hmm. Do you have the Bhagavatam at home? I have the Bhagavad Gita. I have this in, in my phone. In your phone, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the first canto, the second chapter, Prabhupada said the second chapter is so important, we should memorize the whole second chapter. So if you really need to just focus on something smaller than 18,000, just, just focus on the second chapter of the first canto. Oh, it was just as, as an example. It's, yeah. it's like the same thing as when... Is that everything comes from Krishna? So if everything comes from Krishna, I came from Krishna, and all the bad things came from Krishna as well. Yeah, the bad things come because man proposes, God disposes. In Krishna's world, there are no bad things. In this world, we want bad things, so therefore Krishna gives them to us. And then you have to make a choice. Mm. But nothing here is natural. This is all, the Bhagavatam says in the second canto, this is all swapna. It's just a dream. You're just dreaming right now, that's all. Yeah, you are. <laughs> it's just a dream. It's not really happening. Don't take the dream too seriously. The problem is everyone takes the dream too seriously. Everyone listens to the mind too much. But 
what's the point? It doesn't make anyone happy. No, I, I, I'm in agreement with this. The wisest thing anyone ever said to me was, if you can think or understand God, John, the way you are, then God doesn't exist. Because the way that I am, it's not possible. I can't, I can't fathom it. So I'm just like the leaf in the water, hopefully going in the right direction. Yeah, you better be pretty sure you are. Make sure you're in the Ganges River. <laughs> Don't jump in the Yarra River. No. Otherwise you end up in Port Phillip Bay and that's a different story. But if you're in the Ganges, at least you're going to flow through Mayapur. Or if you're in the Jamuni, you'll flow through Brindavan. Yeah. So at least be convinced that you're in the right place. Which obviously you are because you keep coming. So. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's even better than good. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it says there is perfect, more perfect, and most perfect. This is most perfect. When we realize that, we become blissful. Right? If you think it's good, then yeah, it's good. But when you realize it's most perfect, then you become blissful. Right? And you transcend this world. Because, right? you know, the world is just mitty, just dust. The whole thing. At the end, is just... From dust you came... To dust you will return. Yeah. All glories to the Bible. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes, sir. Not even as it is mentioned in Bhagavad Gita and also says that those who seek out the four causes go to the final of the four causes. So those four causes, they don't, uh, there's no progression of the soul where they leave these planets and transformation of the bodies. Was there a question? So the question is, those who at the time of death think of their forefathers, they end up in those planets. Mm. So my question is, the souls of the forefathers, they don't progress and go towards other bodies in that. They transmigrate, only they stay in that same planet. Or, yeah, it means you go to the, the planets of the forefathers. Yeah. So it's like a particular place in the universe. So Krishna says in the Gita, if you read that section, then he's saying that whatever you're meditating on, that's where you're going to go. So he's making his point. So then he says, meditate on me, and then you'll come to me. That is the best. Up to you. Wherever you want to go. If you want to go to the, the special planet of the Mauritian forefathers, you can go. There. Uh, there's a nice beach there. And there are coconuts and bananas. And you can stay there. No problem. Uh, but it is not Goloka Brindavan. Not a Sultan. Krishna is just making the point. Fix your consciousness on me. Bahusha, because if you go other places, then you'll end up in other places. So, go to Krishna. Don't go to the other places. They're not as good. Krishna says, Bhagavad Gita. Thank you. Any other points? But if someone really has that not be happy all the time, no sufferings at all, they will end up. If you want to go to a place where there's no suffering, no suffering and you can just be happy all the time, yeah. then where will you end up? 
you can, you know, that's okay that you want, you desire that, but do you deserve that? It's okay to say that's what I want, but do you deserve it? That's the point. Yeah, everyone in the world says, oh, I just want to go to a place where it's happy all the time. Do you, des- do you deserve to go there? Some people don't desire that. Okay, that's a different point, but, but do you deserve to go there? That's the point. So you want to go to a place where it's always happy, right? You're saying that. Not me. But do you want that or not? Yeah. Okay, so but you I want that. On that. Okay, so then, well, you do meditate on it because you just asked the question. You want to go to a place where it's always happy. I do. I want to go to a place where it's always happy. But do I deserve to go there? That's the question. So Krishna says, if you want to go there, you have to fully surrender to me. Right? So that's where you have to work work on how to get there. Not where you want to go, but how to get there. Be focused on where you want to go, but you have to learn how to get to that place as well. Yes. Thank you very much, Uh, So what things we should consider while reading Bhagavad Gita? Like uh, any day you can do? Stay awake. Now, if you're going to read Bhagavatam, make sure you're awake. It's not as easy to understand when you're asleep. So be awake. Take notes. If you study it carefully, like I've studied it now up until we started Canto 11 last week. So I've got notes on 10 cantos. I study very carefully and take notes and go through and understand the, the progress, the philosophical thread. So study it carefully. And study it in the association of other devotees. And make sure you have a teacher or teachers who can guide you in the study. That's the point. To make sure you're getting on track. So these are some tips. Okay? Any other questions? Okay. Shri Prabhupada Ki? Jai. Thank you.